Yes. Um, I, w I have a couple questions. Um, one of them is um, I was going to ask a question about your talk or the lecture that was recorded on the harmonist about Halad Mishriam, and you were mentioning Halad as in Vaidhi Bhakti, and Dulal had asked you the same question I was going to ask about wouldn't he go to Ragmarg after Vaidhi Bhakti, or wouldn't he want to be in Ragmarg? My question was. Because I understand that you mentioned that um, Narada is in Vaidhi Bhakti and Prahlad likes to be in Vaidhi Bhakti. But I was wondering, doesn't, wouldn't someone that's in Vaidhi Bhakti want, because he's a pure devotee of Krishna, wouldn't he want to get to the Ragmar? Wouldn't he want to be in that? I know that he has expansions as well as Narada in the Ragmar, but. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I understand the drift of your uh, inquiry. Um, but, um, and there's a few things that can be said, but um, you have to understand that when we talk about um, a variegated nature to, to transcendence, the logic in one sense for which is that there are uh, a number of ego-effacing paths that are um, in the context of being ego-facing, grace-seeking. So in a broad sense, um, ego-facing paths that um, involve some uh, broad sense of bhakti. Now, and we have a very refined sense of bhakti. Um, Rupa Goswami's own definition of bhakti, given in the, in the, in, in the by far the most comprehensive tome on the subject of bhakti, the Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, his definition uh, of bhakti, uh, he uh, he uh, refers to it as uttam bhakti, so the, the uh, kind of the superlative, fullest form of bhakti. And one of the marginal characteristics of it is that, that it is not influenced by 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 gyan or by karma, um, which are the two tracks, so to speak, on which the world runs. People run after 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 acquisition, pursue acquisition, with the thought that by acquiring I'll become more. And some wiser people uh, determine that by giving up things, letting go of things, I'll become um, more. Each of the folk, each of uh, our are focused on the world, exploiting the world, getting away from the world. Now, beyond these paths of karma and, and gyan and knowledge that are articulated in the scriptures, I say there are the two coins, two sides of the coin of material life, the two tracks on which our life runs. So outside of being involved in a systematic pursuit, according to the sacred texts of acquisition, by which your acquisition could know bounds that far exceed that of um, you know any any billionaire with one percent or whatever of the world today um, um, and by that I mean through attaining celestial realms and, and so on and so forth durations of life that are extraordinary and wealth and so forth um, so um, besides pursuing that path 
according to the sacred texts and so forth and tradition, and uh, which makes sense because it's a path that has consistent results over the over the centuries and so forth. And paradigmatic people are cited in the in the texts as examples and uh, and so forth. But besides the systematic pursuit of the path of karma, if you will, it doesn't end in in mukti. Hmm? It goes up high, and then the, the the results, the fruits of one's actions are enjoyed, and they expire, and then one comes down, and so it's kind of an up and down, like a roller coaster type of life, just like everyday life is for those who don't systematically pursue the path, if you will, of karma, but are nonetheless within within the the bond the bonds of karma, and as a result, they pursue material happiness and seek to uh, avoid material distress. And so they ride on an ocean, uh, waves, of material highs and lows. And there's no steadiness to that because they're chasing after the highs. And when the highs it goes, as I've said before, is, is the lows, highs it gets is as low as it gets. Just give it some time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, the Gita, Krishna says that suffering is born uh, from the womb of attachment. So... In due course, the things that we pursue and are attached to will, like in a, in a, in a nightmare, in a dream, turn into, you know, a monster, you know, a problem for us. So, besides the systematic path of karma, people in general are pursuing a life of material acquisition, exploitation, without thinking about it. They're in the in the realm of karma, and then there's other other side of that is that um, we, so we call that bog to enjoy, and then there's tiag to renounce. Hmm? So even within the context of our everyday lives, we pursue things and we get disgusted with them, we give them up. So this is bog and tiag. We kind of go back and forth. I like, chase after it, I get it. it. Doesn't turn out to be what I thought it was. I give it up. I might go back to it again, but I do it, and I resent it, and I say, I'm never going to do that again. And I go back to, so we're going back and forth like this, like kind of a ping pong ball, um, and and so besides the systematic pursuit of gyan or karma, gyan leading to mukti, there's a, a general tendency hmm, to uh, through absorption and material acquisition to gain some insight into the futility of it and then want to give it up even though the insight isn't strong enough because of the scars, and you go back to it again and so on so gyan and karma are kind of the two ways in which the people function in this world hmm? um, and then there are what so what the text sacred texts have done of the hindus is they looked at these and they've shown how to how to hone those tendencies so that you could get the most fruits of acquisition and you could get the most fruits of renunciation. Renunciation being a corollary of knowledge. Because if I have knowledge hmm, of the fact, for example, that whatever I acquire I can't keep and I'm in pursuit of enduring happiness, well, I'm not going to get it by pursuing things that that I think will give me happiness that, that I can't keep, right? So renunciation there is a corollary of, of, of knowledge. Hmm? Now that said, both of these paths, if you will, these systematic paths of karma and gyan, hmm, 
which we could call like a religious path in life and a mystical path in life, hmm? are both ordained in the sacred texts, right? And, and expounded upon and so forth. And the ex, the, while there are different persons who are the spokespersons for it and paradigmatic examples of those paths, if we look carefully, we see there, there, there's an overarching kind of uh, authority to uh, the texts of karma and jnana. And it's, it's Krishna. What does he say in the Gita, for example? He says, Vedanta Krit Veda Videva Chaham. Vedanta Krit Veda Videva Chaham. So it's another way of he's saying the Vedas come from me. I'm what is to, what is to be known from the Vedas if you choose to know them comprehensively. So there's a source, let's say, to to the revelation. I look at human life as a question. Why? Purpose, meaning, value that arises. It doesn't arise in less complex forms of life where the Atma is not as in much in the foreground and is more um, overwhelmed by material necessities hmm? and driven, oppressed by them, so to speak. Um, you, you can't expect a, you know, a, a pack of dogs to you know, say please and let, let you go first or something when it comes time to eat, time to eat, you know. So we can expect humans to do that. It means, means a human life, from our perspective, is, is kind of like within the, if you would, the prison of material existence. It's like human lives are, is, is being on probation. So you got a little license to, uh, to a li- little liberty and freedom. And then now to, to use the freedom. So the way to use the freedom is to consider in a human life, I'm I'm asking the question why. What I mean by that is I'm asking about purpose, meaning, value. What what's my role? What am I supposed to do? What's the meaning of life? What's the purpose? On some level, we're all involved in in, in an existential uh, crisis. Hmm? That that I don't think you know. For example, that we find an existential crisis amongst the tigers and the lions, or the uh, chimps, uh, even. Uh, but we find it in human society, an existential crisis. Now, unfortunately, as a kind of a little bit of an aside, the existential crisis in human society, uh, in modern society, tends to extend you know, considerably hmm, into reinventing oneself, you know, 50 is the new, you know, 20 or something like that. Hmm. Um, typically, your existential crisis is more, uh, p- more kind of uh, uh, natural. Uh, and it's funny how you feel when you know that life is real, hmm, from Sugar Mountain, you know. So, well, yeah, I've, you know, I've got. Okay, so, you know, it comes in adolescence. Yeah, you got to grow up, and you know, you don't just sleep and then somebody comes and opens your mouth and puts food in you know that happens when you're a kid so you know the world doesn't doesn't work like like that you got to fend for yourself whoa it's a, it's a task um, and, and and so just as an aside um, I want to say that in times gone by not only in India but very much so in India but also in the United States for example 
or in, in Europe, the roles, the material roles of people were much more defined. Hmm? And there were much less, uh, many, much less, uh, there was much less to choose from, hmm? materially speaking. Now, we, we think in modern society that the more choices that there you are have, the more freedom you have, and so forth. Uh, and so we're, we're just bombarded with so many, so many choices and opportunities, materially speaking, because as we've moved forward, in a sense, forward uh, in modern society, we've moved away from a sense of the sacred. We, you know, we, we really have moved away from a sense of the sacred that pervaded the old world. In Europe, Asia, the old world was basically... Uh, possessed of or driven by a view that that there that there was something sacred, there was a dharma, there was a purpose to life. Art, music, even in Europe, was was largely in celebration of the the divine, and so forth. Um, so when philosophy became unhinged from from um, scripture, the, the 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 New Testament, the Western whatever you want to call revelation, um, uh, and you know they have the scientific revolution and so forth and so on. Gradually, what we've moved away from uh, from a sense of a sacral universe with a purpose, and and we've been bombarded through the manip manipulation of the world. Uh, facts taken from science put in the hands of technicians and so so many things are created so many choices and it's a, it's a, it's, a, it's an attempt to you know really provide the kind of the freedom that's inherent in the atma hmm? but unfortunately the antithesis or what's what's happening is the atma is becoming more and more covered and the pursuit of what it's all about is um, through creating more and more choices which cause you to reinvent yourself over and over again and just kind of remain in forever an adolescent so to speak uh, I mean not everybody I'm just obviously generalizing but um, I mean it's it's a problem you want to buy anything and you know you've got like hundreds of them <laughs> and each one is nuanced different slightly goes a little bit like this and the prices are different and it's just God's sake, I just want to, you know, turn on the light, you know, I want a light bulb, you know. So, you know, it's, it's, all that's thought to be progress. Hmm? But what it does is it, it leads people, in my opinion, humbly, to believe that, that within the context of the body-mind complex, which is all there really is, the freedom that the Atma is really all about, hmm? can be realized through choice, freedoms of choice, and so forth. And so your material, what happens is your material sense of being uh, suffers more in terms of it being grounded hmm, as it was in the old world, where you would, for example, you know, do what your father did, heaven forbid, oh God, you know, take up his business or whatever it is. In India, you have the Barna and the Ashram system, so the persons are born in certain Barnas, and they have the characters, characteristics that, if they do, that fit with that Barna, then there are certain responsibilities within the society that they take up. Each person within the different uh, divisions, basic divisions, 
has their characteristics and they fill in and it's, as a whole that makes a society and it's all for the pleasure of Vishnu ultimately hmm? which gradually which is a gradual promotion from karma to gyan and and, 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 and mukti right but it's, that's very much lost in in the modern um, world and so uh, you know and kids aren't like part of the family unit to make it work and survive it's like Largely, kids are kids are the are the gods. You know, let them do whatever they want. Let them have the freedom. You know, if it makes you happy, you know, I guess it's okay. You know, and step and and, and instead of, I mean, I'm I'm obviously very much generalizing here, but uh, but uh, it's uh, it's I've been around a while. You know, it's it's different the way kids are raised now than they were uh, years ago. And you can say it's better. In some respects, it it, it may be. But in a larger sense, it, it 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 may be at the cost of an environment hmm, and a culture that promotes the possibility of transcendence, wherein truly one can find the sense of freedom, for example, that uh, everyone seeks. Hmm? So, um, so that's un, un, unfortunate, and, and I've just taken a tangent there to you know to, to, to mention that, <laughs> if you don't mind, in the context of talking about you know the the these, uh, the fact that there are defined paths in the scripture that aren't some just abstract words or dogma in the sacred texts of the Indias of the, of the Hindus, um, but but actually speak to what what we mean by the karmic tendency, the tendency to exploit, to take, to, the very idea that, that one's propelled by, that by acquisition I'll become more. And then gyan, the renunciation, the, the, the wisdom, the, 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 the Socratic, you know, sense, sensibility. Hmm? Um, but uh, so gyan and karma, and both of these are coming in from the sacred texts which have an origin, which is... Hmm? The uh, Om, the flute of Krishna in the sacred text, is is said to be the you know kind of um, poetically the sound of the Om, which is the which is the uh, from Om, then all the Vedic mantras come, hmm? and all the texts and corollaries and, and and so on and so forth. So the point is that the, the, the paths of karma and gyan, they're they, they are the Godhead's uh, offering like a, a manual hmm, how to hone the very tendency of karma, the tendency of gyan, hmm, and as such, properly understood within these paths, there's some bhakti also. Hmm. Within the karma mark, there's a little bit of bhakti that you can go from it, because in the, in the karma mark, where you where the pursuit is material acquisition, there's worship of various divinities hmm, that, that personify the very things that you might desire: long life, good health, um, whatever it might be. And so it's a worshipful society, even as it's in pursuit of material well-being and so forth. Within the context of worshiping the gods and the goddesses, if you will, there's a worship of Vishnu in there, which is constitutes bhakti. Hmm? So in a very kind of remote way, the karma can lead to bhakti, hmm? and gyan 
also properly understood. I mean, who was the jnani in the Gita? Vasudev Saramiti Samahatma Sudrulabha. So the a jnani is, is uh, we, we talked the other day on the Shingha Chaturdasi about the kum, of the Kumaras or Sukadev and so forth. These are great examples of, 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 of jnanis. And uh, there are different kinds of jnanis. There are jnanis that offend bhakti, you know, they, they won't get the fruit of their pursuit. But those that don't means they have some regard for bhakti. And because of the regard for bhakti, which is, bhakti here means, as I'm speaking about it, relation, karma and gyan, some acknowledgement of the source and gratitude and and the need for grace and so forth. Then these paths can be uh, fruitful in the fullest sense. Hmm? So the point anyway is that karma and gyan, they come from Bhagawan. Hmm? Um, they're not totally independent of him. Therefore, it's said, those who chant the name of Krishna in the, ma- the path of bhakti should not criticize the texts about karma and jnana. That's an aparad to the name. You know it? Hmm? Yeah, you're supposed to know it. So... <laughs> So, uh, because they are ordained by Bhagwan, and, and they are for certain people, hmm? they you know they have their place. Hmm? And people have some scar for that. So anyway, but that that can also change by bhakti some scar. But uh, but at any rate, um, um, uh, so there are uh, these uh, uh, two paths that talk to the two tendencies materially. Now there's a tendency that uh, bhakti. Which is kind of uh, the antithesis, in, in some senses, of how we, we're living. Either by pursuit of karma or gyan, in either case, the world is the center to get away from the world in gyan, to acquire the world hmm, in uh, in karma. Hmm. Um, karma is about mine. Gyan is about I. Hmm. Bhakti is not about the world; it's otherworldly. Hmm? It's not it's the center; is not either of these, and it's not about it's not about I or mine. It's about it's about Krishna. Hmm? So it's uh, it's 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 it. Therefore, it's considered to be nirguna, beyond the the, the modes, the modus operandus, uh, threefold of material nature, rajas. Tamas, Rajas, and Sattva. Karma is a path governed by Rajas. Jnana is a path governed by Sattva. Bhakti is near Guna, so beyond the mode. Therefore, it has certain power uh, that that, uh, Sattva and Rajas or Jnana and Karma don't have under themselves. That we need some Bhakti in there for those to be efficacious, ultimately fruitful. Uh, So, um, um, so, so somehow we got into karma and gyan, and then there's bhakti, and then your question is about bhakti um, and uh, vaidhi bhakti versus rag bhakti, and Prahlad's um, uh, interest in vaidhi bhakti, and oh, and so what I wanted to say was that with regard to transcendence and a world that a, a transcendent realm that is variegated. One of the reasons that we posit that it's variegated in nature 
is because there are a number of ego-effacing paths that at the same time, in the pursuit of ego-effacing, have a sense of a need for, for grace, which is a broad sense of bhakti, hmm? and therefore they are efficacious, but they're very, they're, they're, they're very different. There, there are many common things between them, ego-effacing paths, but there are a number of differences. And the differences is how we reason that they have different results, hmm? nuanced results within transcendence. So jnana mixed with bhakti is going to give you a different result than bhakti not unmixed with jnana. Rupa Goswami, I was saying, he's given a definition of bhakti that is not influenced by karma, not influenced by jnana. He calls it uttam bhakti. Hmm? He draws from the Bhagavatam, he draws from the Nard Pancharatra definitions of bhakti, and he takes them and adds to that in terms of language to be more concise, to define his uttam um, bhakti. So even within our own school, we say there are different kinds of bhakti. There's bhakti mixed with jnana. There's jnana mixed with bhakti. There's bhakti mixed, bhakti mixed with yoga. There's yoga mixed with bhakti. There's bhakti mixed with karma. Karma mixed with bhakti. They're, they're all slightly different. Hmm? There's bhakti that's, that's not unalloyed, that's unmixed. And there's a couple of varieties of that. So you're asking about that, the Vaiti Bhakti and Rag Bhakti. So there are there are different paths. Some of them unto themselves don't lead beyond the material world. Then again there are those that do. And and, and, and you know you want to take you, you want to look at uh, uh, you know you can find uh, let's uh, different saints and different traditions cross culturally. Hmm? The Catholics had a lot of them. Uh, in times gone by, you have uh, Jaladin, what is his name, Rumi. Hmm? Amongst the Sufis and uh, and so forth. Uh, so just to give a couple, there's Jesus, uh, these type of people. Um, and, uh, and so, and if you look carefully at their paths, you're going to find some common ground with what we do and some differences. And, and different ideas of the of the goal, but while there are different paths that lead to transcendence and afford different experiences within transcendence, all of them have the experience of being ego-effacing hmm? and of being a, a finality, a, fina a finality and perfection. So when we talk about differences within perfection, it's it's you have to be careful that, that we don't look at that from a mundane point of view. This is better than that. Therefore, uh, they're all they're all different types of, of perfection, and they are all correspond with the path that someone has taken, which is going to correspond with the impressions that he or she has received over over lifetimes. And it's all you know, it's all well and good is one way way to look at it. Now sometimes we feel our path is the best, so we want to, we want to share it with people. Hmm? That, that's well and good. Is uh, the best way to share it is to exemplify it, hmm? and it could be contagious. Um, uh, you could take a yardstick and measure it, but that's what you do to determine that your path is best. That's what everybody does. <laughs> hmm? So there's some subjectivity there. That's why we say even within our own path there are different rasas. You can attain. Ross as a friend of Krishna or as a as a lover of Krishna, hmm? as a 
with parental love for Krishna. Hmm? And we can look at them in our own, with our own lens and our own yardstick and say the, the bob of the gopis reaches the highest. Hmm? But every time that, for example, Krishna does twice in the Chaitanya Charitamrita mentions that, he says, however, at the same time, subjectively speaking, each bob of each devotee is best for each devotee. Hmm? And uh, in what, some sense, we don't really have a, a, a whole lot of choice in the matter because it's come to us in a certain way. And so yeah, we're only responding to the opportunity that's presented itself. So it's not that... So those who pursue Vaidhi Bhakti, they typically are pursuing Bhakti um, with uh, a, a, a more of a sense of the majesty of the Godhead. Hmm? which uh, uh, being a reverential type of love creates a little more distance than the path of Rag, for example, which, um, uh, which the, in which the love is, is... That's why we say the love takes the form of parental love or friendly love or romantic love. Hmm? Because in these types of love, then the object of our love is could be treated in ways that you would not treat, for example, a teacher, hmm? a, a, a dasya type of servitude. I'm serving the teacher. I bring an apple, whatever, you know, and it's the teacher. We're all the students. There's this. He's big. We're small. He knows. We don't. You know, that's that's different. In friendship, it's not like that. You know, I know. You know, I got something to tell you. You know, <laughs> in friendship, you can just. Put it out there. You know, friends tell you like it is. Hmm? Um, so you, you, you know, that that's the sense that there's a sense of equality in sakya, in friendship. Hmm? It's not there in dasya. So all of the bhavas in 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 Vaidhi bhakti are dasya and shanta. Hmm? There may be some like Uddhava's dasya, which is the high end of that, mixed with a little sakya, hmm? and so forth. But um, but um, those babas, especially as they manifested by Kunta before the Almighty, you know, Mahavishnu, Sadashiva, uh, and so forth, they're quite uh, uh, different from the bhakti and the ragmarg that takes you to Vrindavan and these type of intimate relationships with Krishna that are almost unrecognizable by people of Vaikuntha. As being bhakti, because you don't you don't treat God like that, <laughs> so to speak. Um, so um, so it's not that anyway. The path of vaidhi bhakti leads to rag bhakti. Hmm? The path of rag bhakti can be augmented by vaidhi bhakti. Indeed, it 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 it, it, it must be hmm? to uh, for the budding of rag to have support. From angas of Vaidhi Bhakti, like hearing, chanting, and so forth, and Rupa Goswami mentions this hmm, in his teaching, um, and uh, that is a way of incorporating Vaidhi into Bhakti and or into Ragmarg that, in a way that strengthens one's pursuit and ultimately taste, ruchi, and uh, and and, and uh, attainment uh, of following the. The paradigmatic figures who exemplify that type of type of love. 
So there, now that said, there's a there's a range here. Like I say, there's a range between like Uddhava's love, Invadi Bhakti, and um, Jai Vijay. We talked about the other day, and Vaikuntha as the gatekeepers. It's the two ends of the spectrum, so to speak, of of of, of Vaidhi Bhakti. Hmm? Um, and then there's a larger spectrum between Vaidhi Bhakti and and Rag Bhakti, and the general sensibilities of Rag Bhakti can also become incorporated into uh, become part of Vaidhi Bhakti. So there is a, a a kind of rag bhakti that Rupa Goswami is speaking about in Bhakti Rasamrita that's specific. It's about attaining Braj, but a very generic kind of rag attachment that is natural, spontaneously drawn. And so we do find this in Prahlad. We are asking about. Hmm? That's why Rupa Goswami says he categorizes Prahlad as rag bhakti. Hmm? Although he's in Vaikuntha. Hmm? I thought you told me he wasn't in Vaikuntha. He might be. <laughs> what did I say? You said he doesn't go to Vaikuntha. Everybody goes to Vaikuntha. There are oh, different I departments there. Well, that's another thing. He can see Krishna also in Vaikuntha, and or he can see Krishna in, in Mahavaikuntha. Hmm? So Vasudev Krishna, you know, there's Janmastami in Vaikuntha also for Krishna's birthday and so forth. So Narayan showed Krishna to himself as Krishna to Gopakumar when he when he was there and so forth. So uh, and of course there's there's Krishna in Dwarka for Vaidhi Bhakti. Hmm. Um, so uh, but Prahlad is 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 a very extraordinary figure who who is said to be the you know principal enunciator. Of Vaidhi Bhakti, when he said, Shravanam, Kirtanam, Smarnam, Vishnu Smarnam, Padasevanam, Arjanam, Mandam, Dasim, Sakyamatmani, Vedanam. These are the nine limbs of Bhakti, of Nabalakshan Bhakti, of Vaidhi Bhakti. Hmm? There are more limbs than that, but these are Sarup Siddha Bhakti. These are such that even if you don't know you're doing them and you're doing them, you're going to get something. Just like even if you don't know fire is hot and you touch it, you're going to get burnt. Hmm? So there are things that are inherently Bhakti. There are things that could be by association become bhakti, or by um, what does the rope mean? By designation, could be bhakti. Hmm? Um, growing flowers is not bhakti, but if you could grow flowers for Krishna, it could become bhakti. Hmm? Uh, and so forth. Um, by assignment, hmm? and by association, things that are required. Uh, if I want to pray the murdanga and kirtan, I might have to get some things to make one so forth. So by association, those things, those activities become, can become bhakti. But then there are things that are inherently bhakti, like singing about Krishna. It's inherently bhakti. So people go, oh, where's Harry Krishna? You know, and so I get, get some benefit, I guess. It's really, maybe minimal, but something. Hmm. I started somewhere. So, um, so Prahlad, you know, gave those. He's a very extraordinary person. But he is described as a Krishna bhakta, and his bhakti to Krishna was is described in the Bhagavatam as being like, like an astrological influence that you know you just you're naturally moving according to. So he was natural, spontaneous, and so there's a spontaneity to him that caused Jiva Goswami to say he has rag, but he is a vaidhi bhakta hmm? um, at the same time. 
So we see that he, for example, his Ishta appearing as Sringadev, he's reverential to him and in, in Dasya Bhakti. Hmm? So, you know, where is Prahlad? Uh, I mean, I think it's mentioned, it must be mentioned in the fifth canto someplace hmm, there in this world somewhere. And he's, you know, he's a, he's a, um, um, uh, like I say, a paradigmatic figure that may have different types of uh, be represented in different places and so forth. But um, he looms large in terms of uh, his uh, life as a uh, in which Nishring appeared and, and so on. His previous life is mentioned in uh, Nishring, I think Nishring of Purana also and how he got in touch with he got in touch with this Sarup Siddha Bhakti without knowing it he did observe the codice in an abandoned temple uh, fasting all night and so he was born as Prahlad and it was pretty powerful uh, there's more to the story but I won't go into that but uh, uh, he wasn't even there for the right purpose so it's just, mm-hmm. just to make a point but um, but he's uh, basically considered a, so there are Vaidhi Bhakti and there's Vaidhi Bhaktas of Krishna hmm? and they're satisfied with their with their their, their asa hmm? Uh, they think they think it's they think it's the best. Hmm? You could argue with them, and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu argued from Scripture with some devotees as to the sweetness of Krishna Bhakti compared to Ram Bhakti, hmm? and they agreed with them intellectually that you're right. But I feel like this, he said, and that's right. <laughs> he liked that. Hmm? Right? Rup Sanatan, they they stayed up all night with their brother. Balaba Anupam, speaking to him about the virtues of Bhakti, the Radha and Krishna. He was a Bhakti, he was a devotee of Ram, Sita and Ram. Hmm? And he agreed with them, you know, that yes, there's some aspects of that type of Bhakti that aren't included within Ram Bhakti. Hmm? And so they said, let's make a vow, you know, to pursue this kind of Bhakti. But then he couldn't sleep all night long hmm? because he couldn't give up Ram. Hmm? And so when Chaitanya Mahaprabhu heard about it, he said, glorious is that servant that won't give up his master. Glorious is the master who won't give up his his servant. So he was very pleased with that. So we saw that uh, the devotee was really developed hmm, and had bhava. And he's got perfection. That's a type of perfection. So that's worth celebrating. No, no need to con- con- try to con- convert him, so to speak. Something like that. Does that help? Yes. Um, I've, I've been reading the Brihat Bhagavad Gita Tamuta again, and Gopal Kumar is going through all the different planetary systems, and it's just interesting that everywhere he goes, like Itapa Loka, I guess it's, that's where he is right now, and he's, you know, the, they're, they're trying to get him to meditate and to have the experience of meditation, and it's like everywhere he goes, those. Yeah, everybody's. Don't go anywhere else. This is the best place. Right. Right. Yeah. And they, they feel that way. And they're right. And they're wrong. <laughs> Depends who you talk to. So yeah, there are different types of perfection. Hmm? So, what can you say? Um, you know, there's. You know, let's do a sports example. So, there's basketball. There's football. There's baseball, you know, 
there's uh, superstars in, in, in all of them or in, in entertainment let's say music there's different genres of music and they're all you know and they and they appreciate one another too who on some level something like that yes uh, so when Uddhava is aspiring to be just a plant to get the uh, foot dust of the gopis mm-hmm. in Braj he's wanting that foot dust not to enter into specifically Madhurya Ras but to enhance his Ras with that deep of affection yeah intensity the kind of intensity he sees they are great they're extraordinary devotees and so I, I want their their blessing but he's already perfect himself so that's the nature of his perfection to speak like that and he seeks to have uh, by their grace more intensity in the context of his own bhava he's not trying to change his bhava yes I saw in a recent harmonist article um, I think it was an article by Goswami but it was talking about um, different associates of Lord Chaitanya and the, um, the quality of their specific love for him. It was saying how you know, Lord Nityananda was way down the list. Like the, the topmost love was Swarup Damodar. And then there were so many maybe Gadadhar Pandit and I don't, can't remember. But like Lord Nityananda was down in number five or six. I'm like, how can that be? Like I, I just you know, he, he was nothing but love. Well, I, I I would I would think he's that he's simply speaking about um, the um, way in which those devotees bhavas play out in the Braj Lila. So Sarup Damodar, um, for example, is has a position of Lita Saki, Madhurya Rasa. Balaram and Sakiras, but but really it's it's not. Uh, I mean, I have to see the article, but you really can't. One thing about Nityananda or Balaram, you can't quite look at them like everyone else. So you could say the gopis' love is the highest. There are things included in it that are not included in friendly love, so therefore it's more desirable. Someone can make that kind of you know argument, and let's say for example. Um, so, but but you can't say that the gopis are higher than Balaram. Balaram is God. <laughs> they're, they're, it's a, you can't. So he's in a different. He's in a different category. Nityananda Ram altogether. All, all he, he, yeah, he he is worshipable object, appearing in the bhav of a worshipper. That's rather rather peculiar. But he may be saying that that. Uh, with regard to intimacy in Gorlila, Srub Damodar had a more intimate role because he attended, for example, to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in his auntie Leela, while Nityananda was commissioned for for continuing dissemination in Bengal. So he wasn't part of that at that time, um, but it's not that Nityananda was missing out on anything, or at least less important. Um, Gadadhar Pandit as 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 Radha, you know, 
so it's uh, similarly he was in Puri and um, Nityananda Prabhu was preaching in Bengal as he was asked to do by um, you know we sing it every morning Gadadhar Madana Nitayar Pranadana Advaita Prabhu Jita Bhavur Srinivas Ishwar Mayapur Ishwar Srinivas Ishwar so there you have it you know Srinivas saw him as Ishwar Advaita saw him as Pujita, my worshipable object. Gradhar Madana, Nitayar Pranadan. So which is higher, Madana or Pranadan? Pranadan means he's he's the wealth of my life. He's the wealth of the life of Gore. Madana means he's the Cupid in Gore's life because he's Radha. You know, so. These are just, you, you can't make distinctions uh, ultimately like you can maybe materially. Hmm? At the same time, there are distinctions. Yes? Um, I was reading in the Krishna Samhita Bhaktivinoda, and um, he says, he's just talking about some history, and he said that. Here's what he said, and I was just wondering, it almost says, like, maybe this isn't, well, I'll ask you. Almiki was an Aryan poet who had a natural tendency to tease the people of Dakshinatya. That is why he described the great heroes and friends of Ram in a comical way. He described some of them as monkeys, some as bears, and some as rakshasas. He even described them as having tails and being covered with hair. Anyway, during the time of Ramachandra, the seed of friendship was sown between the Aryans and the people of Dakshin. Not it sounds like he's almost saying that really wasn't true, that they weren't really monkeys. That's probably from Krishna Samhita. Yeah. You know, in, in that book, he's trying to he's trying to speak about the, the, these uh, the, such texts in a modern way to get people. Uh, to who 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 would who might want to think of them, just like there is a disciple of Prabhupada who like who like had difficulty taking some aspects of the mythohistoric texts, you know, more literally. Krishnadas, I think his name was. Prabhupada says you take them out differently. Then it doesn't matter, you know, it doesn't change the position. January Krishna. Hmm? He said there are allegories and so forth, and and what did he say? Yeah, some of it's allegorical and uh, and uh, metaphorical, and you see that's the thing is if you the, what Prabhupada's concern was is that that in the name of looking beyond the literal, the the reality of Leela and the personality of God would disappear, which is what happens in the Advaita Vedanta. Everything is interpreted allegorically, and ultimately there is no leela. There are only lessons from. But in 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 when you have a chinti beta beta rather than a dvaita vedanta as your um, compass and worldview, then then there has to be leela. There has to be significant significant consciousness other bhagwan, hmm? and then you can you can. You can understand that the texts are not entirely literal, and, and they're um, they're ter- written in certain ways, different genres, different books, and 
and, and certain feelings are being emphasized that, are, that, that can be experienced, transcendental emotions, through narratives, and, and so the stories are told differently, different persons, different times, different books, and so forth. So what, what Bhakti Vinod is doing is like an extension of that. That's it was it was pretty um, extreme, if you will. Um, but I think you need to understand the spirit of what Bhakti Vinod Thakur was doing, and and embrace that to be a member of the Bhakti Vinod Paribar. Is the point of his, his family and community? Um, it's also an example of how you may have a certain idea of how to approach the public in a way that, that this a meal would be digestible. And if you are strong, be situated in that yourself, then you could take liberties to talk about it in such ways that you think will accomplish. The result, and it may to one extent, or it may not, and so preaching strategies, so to speak, they they come and they go, hmm? and um, that's what Krishna Samhita is about. You have to you have to look at this. The the you know I wasn't there at the time in Bengal, obviously, when he wrote Krishna Samhita, but it was a quite controversial uh, type of a book, and and some it was a time. In 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 in, um, in Bengal, in Calcutta, which was the the capital of the British um, Empire, East India, you know, company in in in, in India, the, their their capital, where the Hindu public, educated public, was in touch with the, the modern world, Western sensibilities, and so forth. It was a it was a time of um, Self-examination. Their culture was being depicted in a certain way by the Europeans. They had to look at it, and and uh, and so forth. So this, this that was the kind of the milieu, or the you know the, the nature of the times. So Bhakti Vinod was taking all of that into consideration when he was writing it. And you have to think like that and see what his strategy was, what his spirit of it, spirit was, and so forth. Um, and he, you know, he was—he was ultimately—he was quite, quite successful. But in the end, he said, "I tried so many things for preaching, it didn't work. So I'm just going to do my bhajan." <laughs> and he retired for four years, and nobody could talk to him. Hmm. Went into seclusion. <laughs> I tried. So he wants to, you know, say, "No, no, you were successful <laughs> uh, to some extent, right?" And there's left more service to be done. So without that kind of understanding, then you're you're really stuck. Like some devotees get stuck, and I think Bhakti Vinod said it must be true. Or can it be? Can't be true. Somebody else said like that. <laughs> so you have to understand the spirit of it. What was the time? What was the purpose? What was he trying to do? Was he trying to accomplish? Same thing with the Bhagavad Gita. What's trying? What's the, what's Krishna? You know, what's what's being trying to be accomplished there? Or the Bhagavatam, the way it's written, Chaitanya Charitamrita, the way it's written. And Sarvabhoma said this. Hmm. Did he? How could he have said? You know, or whatever. Rupa is really Krishna is putting words in this one's mouth, and the, and the words of Rupa Goswami in in Sarvabhoma's mouth. You know, who never read Rupa Goswami's book or something. You know, but he's. It's, it means he has an agenda. Like Prabhupada said, my purports are more important than translations, than the verses. He has an agenda. But it's a good agenda. <laughs> That's the point. 
So, all right, we'll stop there. Shishigoradamadavakija, Gorbaktavrindakija. Yeah. 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 Yeah.